It's just an honor and a privilege to praise God and worship alongside of you. Amen. I hope you'll join with me and and just enter right in. Amen. Nothing brings me more joy than giving God glory. Amen. This never gets old to me. Amen. I hope it never gets old to you. Amen. Amen. Let's sing this song together. I bless your name. I bless your name. I bless your name. I give you honor. I give you
I want to see 
opens our eyes tonight, eyes of our heart that we could see His Word. Amen. Chase away all doubt and fear. Amen. In each and everyone's life. God bless you, saints, and welcome to our service tonight. This is kind of a flashback uh, to the services for the last couple of months, but I trust you'll bear with us tonight in having a broadcasted service and uh, just trust that what is said will be a blessing to you. Uh, we are very grateful to be back in church uh, for the most part and having services there, uh, but for some of our Wednesday nights, just, just in the interim here, uh, we're doing a couple of broadcasts from, uh, from Virginia. And so we welcome you tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, it's good to have Brother Jeremy back and his family uh, and uh, their assistance in getting this uh, going tonight. Let's just jump right in and uh, trust you've enjoyed the singing for a few minutes. And let's jump right in and bring some prayer requests and then we'll get right into the word this evening. Uh, just wanted to let you know that uh, Sister Carol Henley was in Ohio over this past couple of days visiting her brother. Uh, she's very close to her brother and uh, he's been having some real difficulties uh, post-surgery and uh, was put back in hospital. But he got out today and got home with his family, so he was very thankful for that. And um, Sister Carol is going to be on her way back home again soon. Also as well, we want to remember Sister Karen Morglier, and uh, she has been struggling with blood pressure, as you know, and um, had taken different medications. We're just praying that the Lord will lead her to the right resource to accomplish healing in her body. Uh, she really needs that touch, and so I told her tonight we'd be bringing this before you because I believe you're a praying people, and uh, I'd like you to take that need upon your heart if you don't mind. Also as well, Brother uh, Elliot McGeary was tested uh, this week for allergies. He had a, uh, an incident with uh, some allergies last week, and um, we want to remember him in prayer and just trust that the Lord will touch him and help them to discover if there is indeed something that he is particularly allergic to. And uh, we want to lift him before the Lord's throne tonight and uh, trust that he will receive the healing touch that he needs. Brother Stephen and I did a funeral today, Sister Epperly, as I mentioned on Sunday, and uh, it was really nice to be able to attend that funeral with them and be able to say some uh, words over her, and uh, she was a real precious saint and somebody who I know um, is enjoying company with her husband and all of those believers that have gone on before her. And so uh, it was uh, an honor today to be able to do that funeral uh, with Brother Steve. So let's uh, take those needs before the Lord and whatever needs you have tonight on your heart, uh, take that as well. And uh, let's just bow our heads together in prayer and trust that the Lord will minister to every need that you have because he's well able to do that. Our dear Heavenly Father, we count it a blessing and a privilege, Lord, to be able to gather tonight in your presence and to be able to thank you, Lord, for the things that you have done in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation and for the knowledge of eternal life. We thank you, Lord, for all the ways you care for us and all the ways you provide for us. We thank you, Lord, for the supernatural intervention of your Holy Spirit in our lives. And Lord, how you make things to last so they don't run out. But Lord, we're also thankful that you're Jehovah Jireh and you provide 
things, Lord, sometimes we don't even know we need, but you're faithful. Lord, you said you'd watch over us, and Lord, we bring these needs before you tonight and ask that you would just be mindful of those folks that are in need tonight. We commit them to you, especially those who need a healing touch. We pray that your strength would be theirs, and we ask, Lord, that you would just minister tonight through your word and grant to us, Lord, an understanding of the times we live in, because it is an important hour for sure. We commit our time to you. Forgive us of anything that might be hindrance to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, just speak to us, I pray, through the volume of the book. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, let's take your Bible tonight. Let's go to the book of John. And we want to read a couple of verses there. John chapter 12. This is a familiar passage. I've read it several times. And if you're a reader of the message, you also have read it uh, several times as well. And um, we'll begin with that little portion. And I'd like to title this, The Ages Beyond the Open Book. The Ages Beyond the Open Book. We'll explain that as we go uh, just a little further here and give you a little background for the title this morning or this evening. John 12, we'll begin reading at verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. And the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. That's a familiar uh, phrase. Brother Branham used that um, phrase for sermon uh, material, and uh, it was a very important sermon as well. Philip uh, cometh and telleth Andrew, and, in, and again Andrew telleth, and, and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. This is quite an interesting answer uh, because they're looking to see Jesus. And the way Jesus answers is not what you would expect in the context of the question. But he's talking about ages to come and how they would actually see Jesus in, in a future context. And uh, so let's let's leave that just for a moment here. And I want to give you a couple of quick statements here uh, just as we begin, just to get your thinking along this uh, direction here. Now, Brother Branham uh, often made this statement here, and this is in 1965 when he referred to uh, the understanding that he was enjoying because of the open book. And he said that because uh, since the opening of the seven seals, those angels just behind the mountain yonder, this, the Bible, has become a new book. He said there are things that were hid, but now promised in Revelation 10 that he would do them. And he said, now it's the we are the privileged people that God has chosen of the earth that we might see and understand these things. Now, I want to just say that uh, in terms of uh, the title, tonight and we talk about the things that lay beyond the open book, uh, we are privileged to be able to see and understand things that other ages were denied uh, the ability to see. Because when God hides something, it's truly hidden and intellect alone is not going to be uh, the, the right way to figure things out. It's got to be a revelation that comes from God. But in receiving a revelation or an understanding of things, God wants us to understand that that revelation is always intended to take you higher, to take you somewhere, uh, to bring you to a greater place than where you were before. And so we are privileged 
uh, to be able to have that understanding. But there is a uh, a destiny for the people of God who are privileged to be able to see and understand. There's a place that God has taken us to. Now, if you're following tonight, feel free to use your phone. We're back uh, using your amen button there. So uh, feel free to jump in and use that tonight. That'll be just fine. Thank you. And uh, Brother Brandon makes another comment in Invisible Union in 1965. And again, this is a, a common quote. I've used it before. And to summarize, he simply says, if God had given you a choice and you could have seen before the foundation of the world all the ages laid out in their entirety and to see what the outcomes are and to see what the maybe the the problems would be or the struggle that would be, uh, whatever was going to happen in those ages, and you had a choice. You had them all laid out and God gave you the choice. Brother Branham said, if he had that choice, he would pick the last age or the age we're in, and he referred to it as a golden age. So I believe there are things that we can see already that we are very privileged to experience, but we haven't seen the end of the age. We have not seen the climax yet. We're coming to it, but we have not experienced it. And I think when Brother Branham looked at all the ages, or just hypothetically, he's just saying, what if you could look at all the ages and see the conclusion of the matter uh, in every age? He said, you would definitely pick this one here. And I, I believe that what we have seen is great. And what we are experiencing in terms of being called out, separated, elevated in the Lord, lifted up in the Spirit of God, all of those things are great. Uh, having the understanding that we do is great. But I think there's more coming that's even greater. And I think when we experience a greater manifestation of the opening of the word, I think it's going to be a greater time for us. And uh, I, I, I want to discuss that. And I want to look at that as we progress up the road here again. Now, Brother Branham says it this way, that uh, there, there winds up with there winds up in the ages this situation where there is either the mark of the mark of the Antichrist or the mark of the beast. And the seal of God, one or the other. The mark of the Antichrist is is a sign of rejection of the Holy Ghost. When you're sealed outside of the kingdom, there's no way to ever be forgiven. The seal of God is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And the mark of the Antichrist is to deny it. And we're at a junction time. We're at a time where both of those, uh, both of those uh, manifestations occur. That we either believe it or we don't. And we're marked forever with the mark of the Antichrist or the seal of God. By the way, he uses the mark of the Antichrist and the mark of the beast synonymously. So they're, uh, they're, they're interchangeable here. And he says, we're at this junction time, and this is that seventh junction, because we know the mark of the beast and the seal of God has been in, ex in existence since the day of Pentecost, uh, when people accepted and believed the message of the hour, were baptized with the Holy Spirit, and people rejected it as well. So they asked Brother Branham, and now focus on this last paragraph here. They, they asked Brother Branham, well, what's next, Brother Branham? That's a great question. And I love that uh, somebody asked the prophet uh, that question. He says, here's what's next. We're going into the millennium, and time will cease at this junction, and eternity will begin for us. So in other words, we'll, be, uh, we'll still have time in the millennium, but we'll be in a place where now we're moving towards new heavens and new earth, and, of course, eternal beings are never really uh, aged by time. They're not influenced by time. 
they're not in a time uh, dimension like our human bodies are. We get older, we change as we age, but an eternal being doesn't age, it doesn't grow older. So therefore, they're asking Brother Branham, what's next? He says, we're going into the millennium. I imagine if you could look at all the ages and see the believers going into the millennium, going into the marriage supper, and having three and a half years of a feast together with the Lord and all the people of all ages, and then to be able to break into the millennium and to be able to see the the earth as it uh, as it is been you know burned burned over cleansed and purified and brother Branham said the millennium will be just like you like it when you get over there it'll be it'll be a glorious place but it'll be a beautiful place as well and to see the believers go over through there through the gates and they're 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 all saying the same thing they're all saying we made it we made it and it's just the amazing grace of Almighty God that that uh, that has made it possible. And here we are. We have finally made it. There's no turning back now. There's no going back to the former days. There's no going back to the former troubles. We'll never have to be broken under burdens of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, sin and addictions and broken families and all the other things that this life entails. We'll never have to experience that again. I imagine that would be a glorious thing to see as the people of God through all the ages, millions of people breaking into that time of the millennium and uh, just entering into their eternal reward. I, I just I just get goosebumps when I think about how great and how glorious a time that will be. And it will not be a faraway uh, experience. I believe it will be a uh, an experience that will be um, soon unfolding in, in a more real way. And I, I believe we're on the, the slippery slope towards that event right now. So it's an exciting time. But now going through what we're going through in this season here, I just found this quote and this is in 1916. Brother Bram's talking about Job and he's talking about different uh, trials that Job went through. And I want you to notice how Brother Branham takes the, uh, the the dilemma that Job finds himself in and how he helps us to understand that dilemma or how he helps us to look at this in the right way. Because you can look at your trials, you can look at your, um, your dilemma that you're in one way, but I believe that God wants us to look at it another way. And so Brother Branham helps us to be able to adjust our shades, if you like, or adjust our view so that we look at uh, a, a time of tribulation that somebody goes through, not the tribulation, but a time of tribulation that somebody goes through uh, differently than how we may look at it. All right, so watch. There's a couple of screens here, but just bear with me as we, as we look at this. The patriarch Job at this time was somewhat like we are today. He had been in deep troubles and he was desperate. Many days he'd sat on the ash heap trying to find words to console or something that would give him courage, would be of a comfort to him as he's seen his life fading out of him. So here's Job sitting on the ash heap. He's 90 years old and he's been stricken by the hand of God, not knowing all these things going on. It brought the patriarch into deep distress. It somehow, when all was gone from him, he still maintained his position in Christ. He said, I know my Redeemer liveth. Now, Job didn't know all of what the uh, consequences are of his experience. He didn't know that there was going to come a key revelation given to him that would influence all believers throughout the rest of time. 
there were things that were happening in Job's, Job's life that as he sat there on that ash heap, he probably could not have put together in a really clear or understandable way. Uh, I want to say this to you tonight. I, I believe that we, we need to remind ourselves that there's nothing that's too great for God. There is nothing that's too great for God. And secondly, I believe there's nothing that happens to us by chance. There's nothing that happens to us out of order that God doesn't know. He knows exactly the end from the beginning, and he knows exactly what's going to happen in your life and all the different things that uh, that take place. I, I think it's, it's a really important uh, principle to remember that uh, God is never surprised. He's never overwhelmed. But yet, yet, humanly speaking, we find ourselves sometimes in distress. Uh, we find ourselves in situations where, uh, you know, we don't always have answers and we don't always understand what's going on. Let's read on a little further. Now we come to these places. We all come on the ash heaps. We have our troubles, our ups and downs, our bad moments, our sicknesses. Some sicknesses you were born with. Some sicknesses you may have acquired later in life. Heartaches. Disappointments. We come this Easter morning to find words of comfort like Job. Then in the midst of all that trouble, God came to his rescue. Why do we come to these troubles? What makes these things come? Why should a Christian ever be perplexed? That's a good question. Why wouldn't not everything just run perfect for a Christian? But it doesn't, and we know it. Everybody out there should say amen. We know it doesn't always run smoothly. We know that we don't always get the outcomes we pray for and plan for. We know that uh, there are perplexities in life. We know that uh, troubles come. Troubles come to Christians. Trouble, like I've said before, humorously, Christian checks bounce and Christian cars break down. And there are things that happen to good people that we don't always have explanations for. And I've said to you before that it's in times like that that your faith is going to have to provide answers for you where your knowledge of the circumstances will not. Your faith will have to hold you. Your faith will have to sustain you in times like that and carry you through when nothing else will. And sometimes we have more troubles when we become a Christian than when we were sinners. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivereth them out of them all. Brother Branham says, why shouldn't everything run perfect for a Christian? It doesn't, and we know it. And sometimes we have more troubles when we become a Christian than when we were sinners. God promised many afflictions, strange feelings, strange things that would be beyond our understanding. Anybody out there tonight? Let me tell you, we're living in a, in a, in a, a strange thing unfolding in our world. Not only is it strange in itself, it's a strange virus that we are all facing today. But I think it's, it's, it's strange in the way that our leadership from the very top is divided on how to lead the people through this. It would be a great time for people to pull together, come together, lay down their divisions, lay down their agendas, and work together to coach the people, lead the people through. That's what leaders are elected and ordained to do. But Brother Branham said in the time that we live in, he said, then people are pulling apart rather than pulling together. And that's a consequence of living in a time when the world is falling apart. Brother Branham said, again, back to the quote, just can't understand it. Because if we did, then it would not be of faith to us. We would go with an understanding. 
we'd have the facts. We wouldn't have to call on God. We wouldn't have to seek God. We wouldn't have to have our patience tried. We'd know what's going on. We'd know how long this is going to take. We'd know what the remedy is. We know what the best course of events are for us. We'd know it if we had an understanding of all those things. But there are some things that we just can't understand. And it's in times like that that you've got to have faith in God. That number one, that nothing is too great for God and nothing happens to us by chance. Brother Random said, again, back to the quote, none of us is immune from these things. After we become his property, our confession, our baptism, our promise to walk in life for him, then every trial that comes upon us is to perfect us for his glory. I like that. It's to bring us to a place where God can make himself more real to us than he has before the trial come. Now, remember I told you that one of the things that I, uh, I expect through all of this that we've been going through is a greater manifestation of the revealed word of the hour. That generally comes after trials. It comes after God gets our attention, or if you like, God resets the clock in our life, the spiritual clock. And now the word becomes more real. Now we tend to, and we should, not take things for granted. But that rather uh, God has brought our attention or back around to things that really matter. We've been conditioned to let certain things go and realize what's important. And it's to bring us to a place where he can make himself more real to us than before the trial came. So in other words, if you like, it's a good thing that trials come because there are better things after the trial than before. And remember, no matter how great the darkness is or the distress is, Satan cannot take your life until God has finished with you. There's nothing can happen to you unless God permits it. I think you should say that line with me, the last line in that paragraph. There is nothing can happen to you unless God permits it. I think that's wonderful. You sounded good there. Let me give you the last page of this quote. He could not drown Noah in the flood until the purpose of God had been finished. He could not burn up the Hebrew children until the purpose of God had been finished. He could not kill Job with boils and troubles until the purpose of God had finished. Daniel, Abraham, many others. Neither can it take you or me until the purpose of God of our life is finished. So we gather from their consolation. And why does God let troubles come? That's a good question. Why does God let troubles come? God harnesses trouble, puts bits in its mouth, and makes it obey him. And those troubles bring us into a closer fellowship with God. It's an amazing thing to watch somebody put a bit in the horse's mouth. I've watched it many times. And they'll take, I I mean, I've seen children, little children, who would harness a a horse. And they'd have to stand up on a bench or a, a stool in order to reach the horse's mouth. They're that small. So probably after a good rain, they might weigh 50 or 60 pounds. And they stand up on a bench and take the halter and put it over the horse's head, and it had to reach right up to do it, and then put the bit in the horse's mouth. Once that bit goes in the horse's mouth, the horse loses a kind of control. Uh, he, he, he begins to uh, push it around with his tongue, and he's trying to deal with it, and he knows this is something that is not easy to fight against. He can't bite it. He can't spit it out. 
He can't get rid of it. He can't adjust it hardly. Uh, there are there are different kinds of bits depending on what it is that you want your horse to do. But this this horse will weigh a ton or more. And a little boy or girl, 50 or 60 pounds, can get up on the saddle on that horse and control it and move it. And, and um, they can guide that horse uh, to do certain things and to stop and to go. An animal that could easily take control by sheer weight and strength. An animal that could easily overwhelm that little child. But it's the bit that makes the difference. Oh, praise God. Let me tell you, God harnesses trouble and he puts a bit in its mouth now it does not have control but the one who put the bit in his mouth it he has control and that bit will make that horse obey that bit will guide that horse even ever so gently or sharply those troubles are meant to bring you somewhere into a closer fellowship with god it's just an amazing thing to watch the difference in a horse when that horse actually has a bit in its mouth and it's not in control anymore. It's now dependent on the person who's holding the end of those reins that's guiding and pulling that bit a certain way. It's, it's just an incredible thing. Now remember this, that no matter what's taking place in your life or what's taking place in the world, that God has got his hand or uh, on the reins, God's got his, uh, he's got that bit in place to be able to control the outcome of the troubles you're going through and he's going to bring us to a place of closer fellowship with God. I, I mean, I just, I just think that's wonderful. I think that's a, a very cons, uh, consoling thing. Now, <clears throat> let me tell you something. And I just, I just felt this on my heart. And you just forgive me for meddling here. And I don't want to say this the wrong way. There is a big difference between inconvenience and persecution. There's a big difference between inconvenience and persecution. Inconvenience refers to a trouble or difficulty that's caused to your personal requirements or comfort. That's what an inconvenience is. So, for instance, um, I don't know, um, maybe when you go overseas and uh, you're, you're in a foreign country and, uh, you know, you're, you're looking around maybe for a place to eat. And your favorite restaurant might be, I don't know, Cracker Barrel, God's gift to the bride. Or, and, and you're thinking, wow, I'd really like to have bacon and eggs, and I'd like to be able to do that. But you know what? There's no Cracker Barrels in that country. Then you're out. You're out. It's, it's inconvenient because now you have to go to a different kind of place, and maybe you had to eat food that you don't really enjoy as much as you would if you went to Cracker Barrel. That's an inconvenience. But you know what? An inconvenience is something that you can change, and um, eventually it'll right itself, and you can get back around. And I, uh, I I smashed my finger the other day. I was working outside. Brother David and I were working outside, and I smashed my finger, and uh, I had to keep it kind of uh, bandaged up because every time I do something and I knock it, it's, it's, uh, it's painful because of the way that I injured it. And, uh, so it's an inconvenience because even if I put my hands in my pockets or something, it it's, I gotta be careful because I don't want to, I don't want to knock it. It, my personal comfort has been compromised and, uh, you know, that's, that's hard, but, uh, I don't see a whole lot of you, uh, pouring out a lot of sympathy over my inconvenience. Persecution though is a different thing. 
Persecution is something that brings hostility or ill treatment because of a number of things. It could be race. It could be uh, your, your political beliefs. It could be your religious beliefs. And when someone, someone actually is hostile towards you because of what you believe, that's a different thing than inconvenience. Now, you're sitting in your house tonight and not in the church. That's an inconvenience. And we are inconvenienced by this virus that has struck the earth. And there are conditions out there that, you know, make it a little bit difficult. That's a different thing than persecution. And yet we know that God will take all the things that happen in your life, whether they're just inconveniences or whether they're actual persecutions or trials that come into your life. God will take all of them and he will accomplish a closer fellowship in your life with him if you will allow him. And I will guarantee you that sometimes God is only just teaching us, you know, how to have a little bit more patience, how to have a little bit more faith, and how to endure because of the things we go through. And he'll see us through. I believe that. I think we are at the end of the day, even though there may be some things inconvenient, we are a very blessed people. We have a lot to give thanks for. We have a lot that we can thank God for because I believe we live in a golden age and we didn't even get a choice. God chose that for us. He said, I want you to live in the golden age. The one that Brother Brandon said that all of them would have picked if they had their choice. But God said, I'm going to pick this for Brother David. I'm going to pick this for Brother Stephen. I'm going to pick this for Sister Haley, or I'm going to pick this for Sister Becky. I'm going to I'm going to just bestow this upon these people in the last day, and uh, they're going to they're going to enjoy the blessings of living in the golden age. And I, I I don't know what we did to deserve that, but God has God has provided that for us, and I'm thankful for Him. So remember that no matter what we go through, like Job did go through, it is intended. The intent is to bring you into a closer fellowship with God. But I want to take that a step further now, because you remember when we, a couple of weeks ago, we talked on Sunday about how that um, when they came to to Ezra and he was reading from the book, they gathered all the people in the days of Nehemiah. And uh, the people cried out to Ezra, the priests, and they said, Bring us the book. Bring out the book. We want you to read from the book because that's where the uh, the stories of God and the law and the, and the promises of the prophets and all the commandments were there. And uh, Nehemiah was a kind of a person that bowed to Ezra being the high priest. Nehemiah wasn't a person who wanted to do everything. He respected the office that Ezra had, and he just he just stepped back and let Ezra take the book and read it. And it just gave a great blessing to the people uh, because you know they were they were able to hear uh, from the book. This was a restoration, not just about walls and stones. This was about a restoration of the word as well, and that was the most important thing. They had a place. They had a physical uh, boundary between them and the rest of the world. Uh, they had walls and gates in Jerusalem to keep them safe from the enemy. But but even greater than that, they had the book that was open and being read and the understanding given to them. That brought great joy to their hearts. I believe it still brings great joy to the people of God. But now let's let's see, let's talk about what this open book actually means, what that implies. Now, I, I would say this about our age and our time, that uh, the first time that we 
really saw any evidence that God was doing something special and unique uh, in this ministry of Brother Branham was in the time when um, Brother Branham was baptizing on the Ohio River. And he tells us about this is very early in his ministry. And uh, the voice sounded out and said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the people of the first coming of Christ, so is this message to warn the people of the second coming of Christ. Now, remember what that uh, when Brother Branham talked about the comings, he said the first time he came was to die for the people as a bleeding, suffering Savior to shed his blood. Second time was to come uh, to catch away his bride. And the third time was to come with the bride, king and queen together, back to the earth. So we're in a catching away time. We're in a time of movement from this kingdom into the marriage supper or into his kingdom. And that will be until we come back on this earth for the millennium. And then, of course, new heavens and new, new earth after that. So this is a uh, this was, if, if you like, the first signal that something very special and very unique, different from the ages, was actually being accomplished uh, in, in the life of Brother Branham. And he was going to be singularly used to bring the people out of one thing into another. Now, remember, ages overlap. So the end of the Gentile dispensation, it overlaps into this season of the open book or the open word, and it blends into a time when the earth goes into tribulation, and also at the same time, the bride is caught away and taken into the palace for the wedding supper. So there's multiple things, as I've said before, that go on during this time. But remember, this whole revelation that God has opened to us is designed to move you from where you are, not just from one church to another, but to move you into his kingdom and to catch you away to your place, rightfully so, at the marriage supper. Now, uh, Brother Branham uh, makes a, a comment here, and I, I want to read it. It's found in Power of Transformation, and this was a sermon that I was reading about. And Brother Branham was referring to Serpent Seed and the teaching there. I'm reading from page 18 and 19. I don't think I have it on the screen here, so I'll just uh, read it for you. I have it in my hand. And uh, he was talking about how that uh, the, uh, the, the, the understanding of Serpent Seed had come and Actually, it came in 1957, and and again, this is um, you know the overlapping of of the understanding of the times. Here's Brother Branham, and uh, he's bringing things in as early as the late 50s uh, that are going to have a great consequence as they unfold and reveal themselves over time. And uh, he, he's saying that uh, you know there today he says we are uh, we who are born again are not born by natural parents and suffer the consequences of uh, the effects of serpent seed. But he says we are born by our parent, capital P, and our parent is the word. And he said, you might say, well, I was uh, born under God too. He says, but for that age, this is the climax age. This is the age beyond those denominations. This is the age beyond. So this is not a typical age that we live in. This is an age beyond the ordinary ages that they've had for the last 2,000 years. So this is the climax age. This is when it all concludes. This is when it all finishes up. This is when God wraps things up for the Gentiles. And that's what we're, that's what we're living in. That's what we're looking at. That's what we're experiencing until the time when actually our body is changed. All right? Now, so let's explore that a little bit. How can I overcome? 
Brother Branham says, Lord, he says, go out among the people and seek that predestinated seed and bring it around some way that the light will fall across their path. For we believe the hour is getting late and time and eternity will blend together when God and his people blend together. And we pray at that time, we will be numbered among those that will be blended into Christ. That's called his bride. So if you've never maybe heard it referred to this way, this is a time of blending into eternity, a blending age, a climax age, where those that are called his bride, who have seen the light, the Holy Spirit has has brought them across or brought the light across their path, and they have come into a realization that they are eternal creatures. Time and eternity blends together, and God and his people blend together. This is a blending time when there is a, an assimilation. There is a, uh, you know, a, a, a confluence, of, like two rivers coming together into one, and there is a confluence where all of this begins to flow together, and it brings us to the next place. This is what Brother Branham's recognizing, and I believe this is what he's wanting us to recognize as well. And uh, he says, again, in uh, Paradox, we could find many places where he talks about this when you think, uh, when you think about it. He says, I, I, I looked uh, in, in this vision that he had in the message called Paradox in 1961, and he says this again another time. He says, I was looking ahead of me in terms of the journey. I was looking ahead, and I was coming down to the Jordan River, standing on the map of Palestine. And he said, and as I drew near the river, I looked back and seen which way I had come, and I was two-thirds of the way there to the Jordan. And I looked across Jordan and said, praise God, just on the other side is where all the promises lay. Every promise lays in the promised land. My goodness. You think about your choice of looking at the whole age. Now, the whole age, from the time it began until the catching away of the ending of the Gentile dispensation, the very end of it when we're seated at the marriage supper. Here's Brother Branham in his vision. He's looking across the Jordan symbolically, and he sees all the great things that lay across there, and he's two-thirds of the way there. So if this was 1961, you can imagine how close we are to the attainment of all of those promises and all the great things that lay in the promised land. This message is designed to be your transport to blend you into that age and take you there. That's the beautiful thing about this message. It is, it is not just to give you more information and more facts. It is not meant to separate you from your former church and give you a kind of a new form of worship. It's all good. And that's what we must do because, you know, to walk with God means separation. He, he says total and complete separation regardless. And so that's, that's, a, that's a, a consequence of walking with God, is there's a separation that goes with that. But remember, it's not just isolation. It is separation unto the presence of God, and that presence of God is there to transport you to that land beyond the river. Okay? So there's many people who feel like, you know, I don't know, maybe there's people who feel like they like separation. They like the, the separation we've had. But we... We have to come back to the greater promise that we are part of a body, and a body functions only when it's together. So for a season, we have been separated. And I believe there will be a time when we will be able to regularly come together and enjoy one another's presence and be able to worship together regularly again. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that, and we're thankful that we've been able to do that.
if if circumstances cut us off, then look for God to make a way for us to be able to worship together, even if it's like this, just for just for a season, because all of it, all of it is a tightening. All of it, really, I believe, is a a squeezing that's going on. And what you're going to see is people who don't like to be inconvenienced, they're going to back away. They're going to say, no, my comfort and my personal requirements are are greater than what you can provide. Or they're going to say that I don't want to be inconvenienced by not doing what I like to do. And maybe they'll draw away. Maybe they'll think, well, it's just too dangerous and there's no point in, you know, stepping out and going to church or whatever else. And and believe me, I understand some people have good cause. They have good reason for that. But that's a different thing than than going through a persecution. And a persecution is when, you know, there's an overt, there's an actual uh, hostility that's expressed towards God's people. When that happens, I believe you can really look for God to step in and, and hold that sword in his hand on behalf of the people. We are going to go through difficult times. Brother Bram says there's none of us that are immune from times like that. But let me tell you something. It, In whatever way he can, the devil would like to separate us. He would like to slow down our progress. He'd like to discourage people. Uh, he'd like to get them thinking the wrong way about what's going on in our time. Look, I, I want to say it again. I believe God's in control, and there's nothing too great for God, and there's nothing happens to us by chance. And so I'm resting in that. I'm at peace with that. And I believe that that is something that God has assured us of. Now, going back in, in the scripture, Matthew chapter 13, this is where Jesus gives us the, the parable, uh, parables about the kingdom. And this is the one about the, the wheat and the tares. And uh, they, they realize, the sowers realize that there are weeds that are sown in the field. And there's, there's more than one thing that's growing up. There are weeds there, and there's wheat there. And they offer to go and separate them, but I want you to drop down. And he says in verse 30, look on the screen there or in your Bible, in verse 30, Matthew 13, let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will cause a separation to go on. So gather first the tares. We're going to bind them in the bundles to burn. And then we're going to gather the wheat into my barn. So it's interesting that at first, God's going to gather the tares together. And they're going to come together in an association. But that association is not the place to be. Because that's a place of judgment or a place of burning. So where all of that is happening is not where the elect is. The elect is in a different place. And they're getting ready to be gathered because the first gathering was the gathering of the tares. The second gathering is the gathering of the wheat into my barn. And so that's what's going to take place. That's what's going to come. So Brother Brandon makes this comment in the Seed of Discrepancy about Matthew 13. So watch this now. He said, that's Jesus. He's giving us the interpretation of the parable himself. Therefore, we know what the interpretation means. So in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus gives a parable. Then when he's asked, he gives the interpretation of the parable. So there's no doubt about the real meaning of it. But let's add this part. Here's here's Brother Branham coming along and assuring us that, uh, that 
making sure, if you like, that we would know what this parable actually speaks about. Okay, so <laughs> it's it's hard to get this one wrong because there's so much firsthand interpretation of the thing that's spoken. Brother Branham, he's quoting here, he says, Jesus gives the interpretation of the parable himself. Therefore, we know what the interpretation means. I believe that Jesus was speaking this parable in his day, meaning it to be at the end of the age, which is this day. So when they came and said, sirs, we would see Jesus, Jesus talked about a corn of wheat falling into the ground. And so here's Jesus talking about the kingdom. And he says, it's like a field that's sown. But there's other things that are going to be sown in there as well. But in the last day, there'd be a separation. So it all winds up in this last day. This text tonight is very appropriate for the hour we're living in because Jesus distinctly said the gathering would be at the end of the world. The gathering of the wheat, the gathering of the tares, and burning them, and taking the wheat into the kingdom. So this is that taking away. This is when the bridegroom takes the bride away. That's what that's about. But before that happens, there is an association among the tares, among the churches, among the denominational groups. It's an associating together. It's a blending together or a binding together. And let me tell you, this is not a place to be, this is not a time to be bound in the wrong group. It's not a time to be bound by the world or the things of the world. I never know who's listening. I can't even see our regular church. And I, you know, sometimes we'll get comments from people who are listening that, you know, we don't know. And you may be one of them tonight. Or you might be a person who's out there uh, and, and never really, never really surrendered your heart to Christ. I don't know. But at the end of this par- at the end of this story of Matthew 13, Jesus makes it very clear. There's only two piles on the field. There's one great big pile that's going to be burnt. There's another pile that is going to be gathered into the Father's kingdom. I believe you're still able to make a choice. I believe there's still mercy for the people of God. And so therefore, if you're in the right pile, you should rejoice. If you're in the wrong pile, I would get out while you can get out. I would make sure I separated from that and separated unto God while I could. Because there will come a day when that is taken off, taken away for the burning. Here's Matthew 13 again. Before uh, Jesus, or sorry, declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. This is what they wanted to know. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. Field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. Both the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. The reapers are the angels. I think that's that's tremendous. It gives us all those definitions there. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. That's the pile you don't want to be identified with. That's the pile you don't want to be bound in. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels And they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, and there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then shall the righteous shine as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Thank God. I'm very thankful that I've heard the the cry uh, of of, uh, God in this last day that 
uh, brought me to a realization that I was moving in the wrong direction. I was heading in the wrong, uh, the wrong way in life. And I was serving the wrong kingdom, serving in the wrong kingdom. And now by God's grace, we're standing back now on solid ground. And I'm so thankful for that. It is a, uh, it, it is an absolute great blessing and a great, uh, great consolation to know that we're in that right place. I want to stay right. I want to be right. I want to act right. I want to live right. I want to have his blessing. I want to be able to come to the end of my day and uh, be able to have the testimony like Sister um, uh, Sister Epperly had today in the funeral. We were talking about her life. And I, I mentioned, I said in the funeral, in a sense, this is this is the kind of funeral that a minister would want to preach because it's an easy thing because all of the t- difficult questions are answered. They're already answered. Uh, was she right with God? Was she a Christian? Is she in heaven now? All of those things, all of those questions were clearly answered uh, based on her life. Because you know what? You can accrue knowledge of the Bible and the message. You can gain knowledge. But you cannot impersonate his presence. There is something unique about his presence. And his presence is his and there are many times in their their life, brother and sister Epperly, and I knew them and I visited their home, their presence was very real in their home. It was very real around them. And I went to see her just a few days before she died. Sister Becky and I went to the home to see her before she passed away. And, uh, I mean, she, she was talking about spiritual things, and she was just at the end of her days, and, and yet she still had a real love for her husband. She was anxious to go to be with him. Uh, she embraced death without fear, and and it was just it was always such a blessing to be able to go into a room and to be able to uh, be there with her. She always was, was very kind and gracious, and and uh, just a woman of no nonsense. She was a person who loved God, and you could tell that. You can you can impersonate the walk, the dress of a believer. You cannot impersonate presence. There is something about the presence of God in a person and around a person, that you cannot create that, you cannot cause that to happen, that's when he comes. And that is a thing to strive for. And I believe that God wants to unite with these people. I believe he wants to bless these people with his nearness and with his presence. I really believe that with all my heart. And so the uh, the, the the presence of God is, is a, a very real thing to us. And this is this whole parable describes how God will actually uh, draw near to his people and take his people away one day, and it'll be a glorious thing. Let me let me just go quickly here because there's just many things that I'd like to stay like to say. 1964, God Jesus keeps all of his appointments. He said God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And so will Christ have to be in the church, the anointed of the word. To make everything fulfilled. Christ will have to be in the church. The anointed of the word. To make everything fulfilled. And that's the capstone. That comes upon this last age. Glory to God. Listen. If we're going to study anything. Let's study this. Let's study. The fact. That I need to be that kind of a person. That Christ can come and unite with so that he can fulfill everything that's ordained of me. Everything that's ordained about me. Everything that God intends for me. It will have to be Christ in me 
the anointed of the word, to make everything fulfilled. It's not me that's going to fulfill it. Now, I might be the mouthpiece, or I might be the person that preaches you know, a sermon or something else, but in reality, at the end of the day, that's not me. That's Christ in me, empowering me to do what I need to do. You may have thoughts of, well, I just want to leave and walk away and I don't want to, you know, be bothered. But by God's grace, we stand. By God's grace, we stay. Let's say things get tighter. Let's say the squeeze gets greater and, and there's, there's more difficulties in the road ahead of us. And yet you go past that. You, you keep going and you keep pressing on. In reality, that's not you. That's Christ in you fulfilling his word. You're meant, your destiny is at the point of the change of your body. You're not going to be able to do that. It'll be Christ in you that does that. To make it there, it's not going to be you. It's going to be Christ in you anointing to do that. Christ will have to be in the church to make everything fulfilled. If we're going to do a sign or a wonder, if if we're going to pray for the sick, and if we're going to uh, you know, just uh, apply the token in our lives, think about everything that that is required of us in this last day to be proper Christians, to be proper parents, to be proper believers, to manifest the right things in our life. It's not going to be you learning that like you would learn how to pass a test and get a degree. It's not a school in the natural. It is rather Christ in you that fulfills everything. If you're going to, if you're going to, uh, raise a family in, in our world, if you're going to survive in the world we're living in, it'll have to be Christ in you to make everything fulfilled. And that's the capstone that comes upon the last church age. It does not come upon the first age or any other age. The last age receives this capstone, which is Christ, to fulfill everything that's spoken about you. Not Laodicea now. Not the Laodicea now. Not that age. It's a calling out of that, a bride out of a church, church out of a church. In other words, just like he called a nation out of a nation in Egypt, and now they're living in that day, and we're grateful for those things that we're seeing. So it's not going to be Laodicea. It's not going to be Christ the capstone over the whole cosmos. It's not going to be Christ the capstone uh, doing things in a, uh, a compromised system. It's not going to be Christ the capstone doing things over the backslidden. It's going to be Christ the capstone among his anointed of the word for this day that are walking in the light. He's going to fulfill everything that's required of you. Many times we don't even know what we need to be doing. Many times we don't even know what the priorities should be in our life. But he does. And if the capstone is welcome in my life. Let me tell you, everything about me is going to be fulfilled just exactly like God called a church out of Egypt and went into the wilderness, but that was not their end of the journey. They went into Canaan. They went into promised land. The bride of Christ is not, let me tell you, it is not just left in the wilderness marching, but we are to enter in across the Jordan to the promised land. Brother Branham says it very clearly. We're not living in the Pentecostal age. We're living in another age. We're not living in a Methodist age. We're living in another age. We're living on up here in the bride age, the calling out of the church and getting it together for the rapture. And remember, what does this mean, getting it together for the rapture? Well, there's a we're, we're bound in a different pile than the, the weeds are bound. 
right? There's two piles on the field at the end of the day. One is simply for burning and for destroying. The other one is for preservation eternally in the kingdom of God. In order for that church to fulfill everything that's required of her, the capstone will have to come down on it in order to fulfill everything that God saw in the last day. Let's end with this question I asked in the very first, where Brother Branham said, if you had your choice of what age you could live in, he said you could see those ages, you could observe them all, the good, the bad, the indifferent, the benefits, the rewards, the blessing, the thrill of living in every age, the prosperity, the supernatural. I mean, think about it, living in the days of Moses and looking at all the miracles every single day or living in the time of Elijah and Elisha and all the great things that God did during their time. You think about living in the days of Solomon and all the great glory and beauty and people come from all over the world to see the great temple that he built. And I mean, you think about living in the days of Jesus or living in the days of the early church and they were established there. And, you know, you look at all the ages. Brother Branham said you'd still pick this one, the bride age. You're living in the in this time this calling out time where where God is getting this group together so that we can move on to another kingdom altogether. Move on into another body. Move on. I will say to you tonight in our little study tonight, folks, that's what this is about. It is the age beyond the open book. Brother Random was given the revelation that was contained or hidden in the book. He was given the, the opportunity to see what lay under those seals. We're the ones living in the consequences of that open book and living in that golden age, living in that time when the capstone actually comes to fulfill everything required of the bride. I'm so glad I don't have to, I, I mean, I, I'm glad I don't have to make myself fulfill everything that's been promised of the bride. I'm so glad I don't have to get the church to do that. I believe it's Christ in us will accomplish that. I believe you'll be the, a fitting member of the bride of Christ because of what Christ does in you. Not because of your knowledge, not because of your determination. It'll be because what Christ does in you. And we are that generation. We are that people who he promised to come down as a capstone in the last age, not Laodicea, not any of the other previous ages, but in this last age, he promised to come and to fulfill everything that is required of us so that they without us cannot be made perfect. And we shall step into that body without death. One of the things that you're called to do in this last day is to leave this world without a funeral. You're called to leave and get out of this world without being carried out by pallbearers. We are actually ordained to leave this world very quickly, very supernaturally, in a way that the world will know nothing about. You cannot do that. If you would like to do that, uh, let me tell you something, we would all probably do it ahead of time because I would like to go. But I know this. It won't be me that takes me out of here. It'll be Christ in me that transports me into his kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
because, Lord, you are making a way for us to fulfill everything that is promised in the word, required of the bride, ordained of us in this last day. You have ordained certain things, Lord, to be accomplished. You have ordained a message to be published throughout all of the world. You have ordained, Lord, that the light of the gospel would spread around the entire Gentile world, capture the elect, and move her into another dimension. Lord, that could not be done except you come and take control of this bride. Lord, we are ordained to have our bodies changed. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. I believe, Lord Jesus, you will have to accomplish that in us. We just want to be, we want to be a fitting believer, someone who is receptive to the word, someone who is receptive to the presence of God in our lives. Lord, we want to be mindful of you and open, Lord, to whatever you bring. Father, I pray that you would help us to look beyond any kind of inconvenience and hold fast during the difficult times. I believe you give us holding power. I believe you give us healing power. I believe, Lord, you give us staying power in the difficult times. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would just use these difficult times like you did in Job's life to draw us into a closer relationship with you. And Lord, may we not miss that. May we not let the enemy get the, uh, the upper hand in the argument. And Lord, we draw back, but Lord, let us come and assemble with enthusiasm. Let us be faithful, Lord, in our, in our tithing and our offerings and Lord, in our service and our worship and our singing and everything that you've ordained us to do. We are called to be a joyful people, Lord. We are called to be a, a believing people, a people who are not easily intimidated or impressed with what happens in Laodicea. We are not a people who are enamored with the devil's uh, ability, Lord, uh, and, and all of the information and technology that's out there. We know it exists. We know it exists in this kingdom, and it'll be here and increase until we leave. But Lord Jesus, I believe that we have something that gives a greater peace and a greater strength and a greater joy. And that comes because you have settled on your bride. Lord, may I be a stone that is fitted for the capstone, that you might fulfill everything in my life. I pray, Lord, for healing for those who need it. Lord, I think of Sister Karen, I think of Sister Shirley Buchanan, I think, Lord, of uh, Sister Anja this week, Lord, in the memory of Brother Larry and her anniversary and Brother Larry's birthday. Lord, be the healer, be the comforter that she needs, Lord, this week. We think of Elliot McGeary, Think of Brother Aaron, who's away today and uh, still out in Arizona. Father, we just commit the needs of your people. And Lord, there are many other concerns that, Lord, I haven't mentioned, but some private and personal requests, Lord, that people have given to me. Father, you know all about them. We bind them together and present them at your throne of mercy because we believe you taught us to do that, to cast our cares upon you. Lord, we are called to be a praying people and a believing people that you hear us and that, Lord, you are able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Have your way among us, Lord, I pray. Bless the balance of our week. And, Lord, lead us in your will, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask these things. We ask them for your glory, for your preeminence. Amen.
and amen. Thank you, saints of God, for being here today. If nothing else, we should be thankful that we're living on up here at the very top of this pyramid. And we are coming together for this rapture and the change of our body. I'm thankful for that. May God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight. And uh, I appreciate your amens and the responses there uh, that were given tonight. That's always an encouragement. And uh, may the Lord bless you. We look forward to seeing you on the weekend. And uh, just tr trust and pray that you'll come expecting. Uh, there's some people that are going through tests and some that have uh, sicknesses and they're looking for uh, some help and some relief. And so we just ask you to remember those needs uh, among the assembly, if you don't mind. May God richly bless you. We love you and uh, appreciate you for tuning in tonight. God bless.